we're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I don't want to get, I don't want to jump too, too far ahead of myself. We're going to start back up uh, kind of where I left off, and that's on verse 3. Mikey, I'm going to hit it right there and see if that's right. Because I didn't get done. We kind of got started on this scripture, and I didn't get done, and as I was looking back through my notes, kind of felt like I wanted to go back through it says, and again, if you remember, I read from the uh, message uh, at first, but we're going to start uh, this time with the New King James and then go back to the message. For we walk in the flesh, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our war- warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Really feel strongly about this scripture right now and really about our nation, about what's going on with Paris, what's going on with our nation, what's going on with um, the political front that's happening, with what's going on with people not people being sick, people losing jobs. Um no matter what, we're not supposed to lose. Uh, things are going to get bad. When Jesus said that when he's, when he's coming back, there will be these signs that things are going to be getting bad. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that things should be going bad for us. We're going to still have challenges. We're still going to be facing things, but we do not lose. Nowhere from cover to cover do we lose. So... Uh, I want to touch on this again. Even though we walk in the flesh, you and I are flesh. We cannot get away from that. Yes, we have a spirit. We're going to eternally spend the rest of our, uh, the rest of eternity in the spirit. But right now, we're in the flesh. I can feel it. Can anybody else feel it? We walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. Now, the problem that we have is we do war in the flesh. When we're getting beat at every turn, it's because we are warring in the flesh. Or we have missed something somewhere because if we will line up with God's word, he tells us what will happen when we war. We don't war according to the flesh. So if we don't war according to the flesh, then let's continue reading, right? It doesn't say if you war in the flesh, this is what's going to happen. Now you can kind of find that throughout scripture that if you try it your own way, it's going to go badly. Right, but we got we we have to build and be in context. So verse four is based on the context that we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. Right? For the weapons of our warfare, if we are warring, not in the flesh. Right? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Again. We all are battling strongholds. We come up on a thing and it is a stronghold and we can, we can allow it to take a high place in our life or we can pull those down. And the only way to pull those down and have any leverage against a stronghold in our life is, is if we do it not by the flesh. Because when we do it by the flesh, we want to give in to it. We want to give in to worry. We want to give in to problems and anxiety and focus on how bad things are and just continue in this crazy whirlwind like what's going on in the weather today. It's just crazy weather. 
But I want you to know as the wind's blowing and it's raining, it's not shaking in heaven. And when we pray according to God's word that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is so that you will not shake while you're here on earth. Everything's going to shake, but we shouldn't because we have the spirit of the living God. We should not shake. So even though everything's shaking around us and it looks like things are going to fall, we should not fall. You remember the guy that built the house on the built the house in the sand, the other one built the house on the rock. When the storms came, the one that built this house on the rock didn't fall. But when the guy when the, the guy that built his house in the storm uh, on the sand, it didn't say it just fell. It says there was a great fall. Remember, these two were both believers building their house on the, with the same material on the word of God. These people are coming. It's in that same scripture where he says, people are coming to me. Jesus is saying, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I don't know you. But then you say, God, we said, Lord, Lord, and we even cast out demons. We even prophesied in your name. We healed the sick. We did the church stuff. And the Lord says, wait a minute, I don't know you. Do you see? We should not shake. If we shake, it should be some big light, light go off idea in our head to say, wait a minute, something's off. Because it says the weapons of my warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. If you've been trying to pull down strongholds for 10 years, you're pulling with the wrong thing. I'm not trying to be critical of you battling an addiction or battling a, a bad habit. We're going to go into habits this coming Sunday. But if you've been doing it for 10 years and you can't get over it, try something different. Insanity is defined by doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if I'm still battling, whatever, you fill in the blank. I don't want to fill in the blank. I feel like I start stepping on people's toes and I'm not trying to. But if you're battling X, Go to the word of God. Okay, God, I must be using something carnal because it says they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me encourage you. If you don't know the knowledge of God, you don't know what's wrong. Boy, that, there was no response to that one. How can you cast down an argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God if you don't know what the knowledge of God is? How do you know to cast that down? How do you know when someone comes to you and tells you a lie that you don't just accept it, that you say, wait a minute, that's a lie and I can prove it. Let me show you right here in the word of God. And your spirit should be saying, uh, that's a lie. Something doesn't feel right about yeah, but this is a good guy and he does well and look, his life seems to be great. Must be true. No, it's not. Listen to me. And you know it, but you buy it. And then you live by it. And then you wind up in a bad spot and it's like, God, what were you doing? God's like, I was doing my thing. I've never stopped doing my thing. I will continue to do my thing. Why don't you get on my thing? 
What's he saying? We must know the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How can we know what to take captive if we don't know what is the obedience of Christ? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. How do we obey him? We obey his word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. So, bringing every thought into captivity, those thoughts that you feel like you can't get free of, I want to encourage you, you've been trying to get free of them carnally, in the flesh. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to get you to try, your, try a different attack. And I have learned that I must replace a thought. If I've got a thought and I need it gone, I need to replace it. I had a real problem as a young man uh, with profanity. I worked at the car wash and at the lube, and I mean, it's just four-letter words every time you open your mouth. And plus, I was brought up in a generation where that's just all we did. It was just the way we talked. I didn't know any better. I did. I knew better. Spirit was saying, quit doing that, but uh, everybody does it. So I did it. And uh, when I made a decision, I was probably... I don't know, 22, 23 years old uh, that I was tired of it. I started looking at the people that I was hanging around and thinking, this isn't me. I mean, I'm not trying to rate people by, um, don't take that the wrong way, but that's not what I want to be. I don't want to go that way anymore. And really, it's that moment that you make a decision and no one else could make it for me. You could start up, they had uh, jars that you had to put a quarter in every time you said a four-letter word, so I just brought a pile of quarters but I didn't want to be like that anymore so I started praying to the Lord Lord help me and I just felt like the Lord said "Well, when this happens you're going to have to replace that word with this word so when I stubbed my toe and let, instead of saying a really bad word I would say shoot and I literally had to program that and I want you to know the spirit of God moved in my heart he helped me but I had to do a part of it it's just like when I have a craving for food, I've had to replace that with fruit. And it's hard. And it doesn't give me exactly what I want, but it does work. And with habits, y'all, I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag for Sunday. With a habit, it starts with a cue. C-U-E. A cue. Something happens. Something triggers in you. And then what happens is, the response comes from that cue. So when you see French fries on the billboard and your mouth starts to salivate and you stop over at McDonald's and you get the fries, then finally what comes is the reward. That taste, that salt, that fried, that good. Man, there's nothing like hot McDonald's fries. Now, there's nothing like cold McDonald's fries. Now, something's wrong when there's such a drastic change between the taste of the two. Something's not right. Really good food usually tastes good hot and cold. Y'all agree? Really good food usually is good both ways. And if you heat those fries back up, it's still not good. But you get the reward. You get the, you get the, yeah, you get the reward. But the amazing thing about these strongholds and about these addictions that we have is you're not addicted yet. But you start to develop a craving. And it's that craving that gets you. That the second you see the cue, there's no stopping it. You know what you're after and you develop this hunger. Now, again, 
these pulling down these strongholds, getting rid of these cravings and these urges. And some people, some of us do these habits without even thinking. Don't even have to think about it. We just do it. The only way to get a hold of that is not in the flesh, but using the weapons of our warfare that are mighty in God for breaking those things. There is no drug out there that you can't be free from. I don't care what the world would tell you. There is not, there's not anything out, there's no force on this earth that you can't get free of through Christ. Period. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, you can get a hold of those thoughts um, to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Again, I really focused last week on that last statement. First, we need to fulfill our own obedience, and then we can have the right to go and help deal with disobedience. You see that? When your obedience is fulfilled, then you're ready to punish all disobedience. I feel like I'm usually ready to punish disobedience, even though my obedience isn't fulfilled. And then it becomes a big mess. I'm judgmental. I've got, I don't have any wisdom. I do stupid stuff. And I reject people, and people reject me because my obedience hasn't been fulfilled, and I am not handling it like Christ would handle it. But I want you to know, when your obedience is fulfilled, Christ handled disobedience. Sometimes it was nice and fuzzy feeling. Other times it wasn't. Turning tables over and running people out. Can you imagine somebody coming in the church and cracking a whip on people and running people out of the church? Jesus, what were you thinking? We don't act like that in church. Jesus would say exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. Not that you need to go run people out of church, that your obedience needs to be fulfilled. We need to fulfill our obedience. Amen? So good. I hope you can grasp that. This pulling down, exalted higher in our life than it should be. These are strongholds. This is a scripture for deliverance. This is a deliverance scripture. Strongholds are established in the mind. Do you know that sin originates in the mind? You've got to have a thought before you do anything. If you can deal with your thoughts, you will not take it to the next step. Behind every stronghold is a lie and a place of personal bondage it's a place of personal bondage where God's word has been subjugated to any unscriptural idea or personally confused belief that is held to be true unfortunately we grab hold of things and call them truth when by God's word they are a blatant blatant lie and behind every lie is fear and behind every fear is an idol. And idols are established wherever there exists a failure to trust in the provision of God that has been made available to us through Christ Jesus. One of the main weapons of our warfare is the word of God. Does that line up with God's word? 
And I want you to know, um, spontaneous decisions typically is not a good idea. They need to be weighed. They need to be weighed by God's word. How does that line up with God's word? How does me taking this job, how does me dating this person, how does me majoring in this subject, God, what are you saying to me? How does God fit into your decision making? And let me tell you, do not make your decision solely based on your feelings. Because your feelings will lie to you. I'm not saying to not be a touchy-feely person. You should be. God made you that way. But do not make every decision based on feelings. Weapons are God's word. It's also the blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a weapon. And strongholds are pulled down and and are broken as we use these spiritual weapons. And it says that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 says that. So carnal weapons will not do. Do you see that? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The things that we are facing are not carnal. Can you imagine trying to face a spiritual force in a fleshly way? It won't work. But God gives us these weapons that are mighty. And their purpose is for pulling down and demolishing strongholds. Anything that's opposing God's will. And that is warfare in the mind against arrogant, rebellious ideas and attitudes. And against every high thing. Did you catch that? Every high thing. Casting down arguments and every high thing that does not line up with the word of God. What is a high thing? I think ultimately it's pride. Ultimately it is something that is taking place of God. And pride is one of the biggest factors that we deal with. It was the sin of Satan. And I can, I can attest for men and for me, pride is a real problem for men. We don't want help. We want to do everything our, on our own. Um, we don't want to ask for help and show weakness. And I think that God has put that in us to a point to um, be able to press through very hard things. I think that, I think that for for where I'm coming from, I think that it's it's a good thing until it becomes a bad thing. In that, I don't I don't ask for help. I don't look for help, and uh, my life has been a whirlwind of um, recognizing I need help and not getting it, and then it seems like it's too late. And then I ask for it, and the Lord rescues me. I mean, God's such a merciful God. But pride is something that just shuts that whole system down. It says that he exalts the humble. He exalts the humble. So a high thing, I believe, is pride that's opposed to the true knowledge of God. 
bringing everything into obedience. This word obedience is a word hupo, which means under, and akuo, which is to hear from uh, the Hebrew. And it signifies attentive hearing, obedience, attentive hearing, to listen with complaint submission, assent, and agreement. Obedience. To come under obedience, to listen, to hear, and to agree, and to do. Well, let's just pick it up now in verse 7. This, that was all from last week, but I'm going to try to finish chapter 10. I think Paul kind of goes on a little rant, rant and rave here for just a minute. Do you remember how he started saying, you guys claim that I'm really uh, brave in my letters, but I'm really weak when we get together. Y'all remember from last week? Well, he's, he, he opened the chapter, chapter 10, and let me tell you, when Paul wrote these letters, he didn't say, okay, this will be 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He wrote, and man since then has broke it down into chapters. So when, he, when we started chapter 10, he said, hey, by the way, y'all are saying I'm a weak guy because I give these harsh letters, and then I show up and I'm really soft. Well, then he picks it right, then he goes in and says, this is how to deal with strongholds. We're going to go a little, through a little bit of deliverance, but now I want to get back on this thing about y'all are insulting me. Verse 7. You stare and stare at the obvious. Now, uh, this is back in, in the message. You stare and stare at the obvious, but you can't see the forest for the trees. You're looking for a clear example of someone on Christ's side. Why do you so quickly cut me out? <laughs> Just funny. Believe me, I'm quite sure of my standing with Christ. You may think I overstate the authority he gave me, but I'm not backing off. Every bit of my commitment is for the purpose of building you up, after all, not tearing you down. Now, it's so funny, this whole conversation is so funny because they forgot who Paul was. An incredibly passionate religious guy that went to incredible extremes for his religion. Now, he's had this transformation, and he is pouring into the church of Jesus Christ, and now they're firing back at him saying, what's happened to you? You're really big talking on your letters, but you're really soft. And I can see them almost stirring up a, a giant, a, 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 an asleep giant. How, would you, how do we phrase that? A sleeping giant, thank you. <laughs> I can see that you rub Paul the wrong way, and watch out. Because he has issues like the rest of us do. Where was I? Um, Every bit of my commitment is for the purpose of building you up, after all, not tearing you down. Verse 9. And what's this talk about me bullying you with my letters? His letters are brawny and potent, but in person he's a weakling and mumbles when he talks. <laughs> Such talk won't survive scrutiny. What we write when away, we do when present. We're the exact same people, absent or present, in letter or in person. Now, we're going to see as we keep going, Paul did back up what he wrote. Unfortunately, in the church, we're very judgmental to sinners, and then we live a sinful life. Paul was not doing that. Paul was going from town to town, facing incredible scrutiny and challenges, but stayed the course. Verse 12. Uh, let's see. Is that where I was? 
What we write went away, we do in present. Yeah, verse 12. We're not understand putting ourselves in a league with those who boast that they're our superiors. We wouldn't dare do that. But in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite missed the point. Um, that just brings me back to where we are now. Um, the, oh, y'all are going to kill me for bringing this up. The Starbucks cup. Who cares? Can they not do a red cup if they want to do a red cup? Why are we fussing about that? Why is the church fussing about that? Businesses can change the color of their cups if they want. If not, don't go buy their coffee. But don't fuss. What good is fussing? You see this, in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. We're out here fussing about stuff that doesn't matter. Even in the church. Fuss about stuff that matters. And what needs to happen is that that, that finger needs to get to pointing to you and fuss about, ooh, you're not doing this and you're missing it here and I could be a better husband and I could be a better worker and, and I could do this better and I could give more or I can get in the word and man, there's enough on my list. I've got a lot of red cups in my, my own list. Instead, I want to look at yours and say, ooh, you have a red cup, you're the devil. You're the devil. You just showed up with that red cup. I knew it. I knew it all along. I was just waiting for that red cup to show up. Well, there it is. Uh, Bruce Roman, one of my, my head uh, greeter, came walking in with a red Starbucks cup, and I'm like, oh, God, they're going to kill you today. Just Yeah, Cody. Yeah. Yeah, Cody. I knew it, Cody. I knew it. It's just waiting for this moment for you to show up with your red cup. I just knew it. It's just so stupid. Shut, shut up. Fuss about stuff that matters. Not your own red cup. Somebody say amen. Okay, let me try to finish. We aren't making outrageous claims here. We're sticking to the limits of what God has set for us. I love that. God does set limits, by the way. But there can be no question that those limits reach to and include you. We're not moving into someone else's territory. We're already there with you, weren't we? We were the first ones to get there with the message of Christ, right? How can there be any question of overstepping our bounds by writing or visiting you? Verse 18. We're not bargaining in on the... We're not barging in on the rightful work of others, interfering with their ministries, demanding a place in the sun with them. We're, what we're hoping for is that your lives will grow in faith. You'll play a part within our expanding work and we'll all still be within the limits of God, the limits God set as we proclaim the message in countries beyond Corinth. But we have no intention of moving in on what others have done and taking credit for it. If you want to claim credit, claim it for God. What you say about yourself means nothing in God's work. Man, it's what God says about you that makes the difference. It's not what you say. <laughs> it's what God says about you. So I want to ask you, what would God say about you? 
just leave it at that. Who cares about the red cup? And there's a billion red cups out there. And I don't mean Starbucks. I mean things that we're fussing about. And there's enough to fuss about it if you look at your own plate. And that's all God says to do. Clean your own plate. Clean the inside. Get to cleaning the inside. God's going to make you beautiful. He already has. But he wants to just do something awesome in your life. Amen. Start with you. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just, I just thank you. You're so good. You're so good. I just thank you for this, this night of, of really um, intimate worship. Lord, that your spirit is speaking. Lord, that you're speaking to us through your word and through each other. Lord, at, at this time of Thanksgiving and these holiday seasons, I just ask right now that, Holy Spirit, we would listen to you. We would look to you. We would seek for you and not try to go through these seasons the same as we have every year and hope for something different, but that, Lord, something would be different and it would be our hearts turning towards you, pursuing you, being passionate for the Spirit in us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, those that have come in here just in great need, I just ask you, Lord, for them to ask for help. Right now where they sit would just ask you for help. And then connect to this body and let the body know what's going on. Lord God, there is no lack in your kingdom. None. None. There is no lack. And you never called for us to walk around in this life in, in lack but that, Lord, that we would live an abundant life, not a lacking life, an abundant life. Just ask right now that we would turn our hearts to you and away from all this other stuff. I just thank you, Lord. We just bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.